0: Good morning, everyone. We're going to continue in our study of 1 John chapter 4 this morning. Uh, Before I start, let's go to the Lord in prayer once more. God, we thank you for this day, uh, the gift of another day to us, and just pray that uh, You would lead and guide this time of worship, Lord, as we worshiped you in song. We now are going to worship you in your word and just ask you would lead and direct this time, Lord, uh, that uh, your word would be uh, clearly delivered, Lord. And uh, we would just clear our minds, Lord, of distractions and worries and cares and set this time apart in worship of you. Again, we ask for your leading of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, three Sundays ago, Owen started us out in First uh, John chapter 4, and uh, Ray brought the next two messages that took us through the end of verse 10. So we're going to pick up in uh, verse 11 this morning, uh, but before we go there, uh, these preceding verses describe lying spirits, false lying spirits, and we saw that in verses 1 through 6 and then uh, the passage changes and starts to describe a true loving spirit and that actually goes from uh, verse seven through the end of the chapter through verse 21. So we've been instructed and challenged in these verses uh, to test the spirits and teachings, particularly that was in verse one, and to demonstrate love towards one another. Uh, Verse eight contains a particularly strong caution about demonstrating love Verse 8 reads, <clears> 1 <throat> John 4, verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So we see uh, John often described as the apostle of love, and we see lo- the word love used many times in this chapter, but he, he delivers a very strong message about this and about the importance of love. A, uh, I heard a pastor uh, teaching on uh, 1 John talking about our reaction as a world to this command to love many times is the opposite. It's hatred. We show show hatred towards others. Another reaction is we show indifference. Like, I don't care. I don't care about these these other people. Uh, Of course, the third reaction is love, which is what we're commanded to do by John and by the Lord. So we're gonna continue today in following John's description of a true loving spirit And although today's message is expository, we're going to take on a particular passage of Scripture. It's still subject to error because I'm up here um, doing my best to lead us through this passage of Scripture. But I can introduce error in this. Um, So as we systematically approach these verses, please be Bereans yourselves. And um, we find that in Acts 17 verses 10 through 11, I'll read, I'll read verse uh, or that passage to you. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And I know you've probably heard this, uh, this set of verses many times from this pulpit, but it is very important that we be Bereans and actually John speaks to that as well in the opening verse of this chapter that we need to test the spirits and particularly he goes as he goes on we realize he's talking about teaching those that are, uh, those that are teaching that we need to test that and compare it against the word of God. So we're going to look at the, uh, the entire passage and Barry's going to read that for us from 1 John 4 Verse 11 through the end of the chapter. If you would, Barry, please.
1: Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify That the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God God abides in him and he in God and we have known and believed the love that God has for us God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also.
0: We're going to look at a portion of that scripture, but before we go there, let's go to the Lord one more time. And uh, Phil, would you lift lift this passage up in prayer, please? Amen. Thank you. So we're going to look at uh, a part of this passage that Barry read. We're going to focus in on verses 11 through 15. And so picking up at, with verse 11, I'll reread that verse. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So we see in this verse that uh, God's love should be paid forward. Uh, there was actually a movie Called paying it forward, I believe, uh, made a number of years ago, with that idea that a kind act should be uh, should be pushed forward or given to others, and so this is certainly what we see in John's uh, John's words here: is we ought to love one another, were to were to do that because God loved us first, and God continues, or sorry, John continues God's theme of love, which he starts starts in verse seven. And I think we've probably gotten the idea by now, if we think about the number of times we've, we've seen the word love or have heard it read in this passage, the importance of this concept. But let's look at the beginning of verse 11 first. It, be, it begins with beloved. So if we, uh, if we look at this, uh, we find it's also found in verses at the beginning of verse 1 and verse 7 in this passage. <coughs> and a simple breakdown of this word, we realize it's be loved, Um, been joined together. And this might be overly simple, but if we think about this from this perspective, who is it that we're loved by? It's by God, isn't it? God loved us first. And uh, we see the measure of this love of God in the last half of verse 10. So we'll back up uh, to this verse preceding us. And I'll just pick up the last half of verse 10. He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, propitiation is one of those uh, big words that we, we see in Scripture that sometimes aren't totally clear to us. And so if we think about it, um, there's a couple ways of looking at it. One is it's a reconciliation with God by the atoning of sins. I think a simpler definition is Sin offering. And um, so we look at that again. He loved us and sent His Son. uh, The idea that Jesus paid the price for our sins. What greater love is there than that? And that's, uh, that's how this concept starts out of love that John is talking about. Since that measure of love has been given to us, John instructs us to imitate God and to love others also. So having established a a powerful motivation for demonstrating love, John's teaching seems to switch to a different line of thought in verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. So let's stop, stop for a minute and think, why does John switch to having us think about not being able to see God? You know, what could be, what could be a motive for that? You know, it could be that it's, uh, we're physical beings. We have the spirit of God in us, and we have a, a spirit as well. But uh, we are physical beings, and we're limited by what we can see, uh, hear, taste, and smell. And so we tend to get hung up on seeing physical proof. You know, we look, we look for that. And so uh, an example of that is the Apostle uh, Thomas. in John, if you'd like to turn there, it's John chapter 20, verses 24 through 25. And then when you get, your, get there, hold your place. We're going to look a little further on in that passage, too. So John chapter 20. John 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, who was called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other apostles were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger in the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So the context of this is the Jesus has appeared to the apostles, but Thomas was not with them when Jesus appeared. So uh, uh, Thomas, again, that, that human nature of looking for something physical proof says, I want to see proof of this. I don't believe what you're telling me. Uh, but when we follow the context in this passage for Thomas's desire for proof, we find he is humbled when Jesus appears again, specifically to Thomas, to uh, quench his, uh, his uh, doubt. And he presents proof. But Jesus also pronounces a blessing on those who did not get to see that proof. And we find that in verse 29 of that passage. Jesus said to them, Because you have seen me, have you now believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. So certainly that passage is a uh, can be a comfort for us as well because our, uh, our faith is just that. It's based on faith. Uh, things, uh, things that we are told, not that we necessarily see. And um, so John may be trying to th- get us to think about this by, by interjecting this in this passage, God whom you have not seen, uh, that if we possess God's agape love Um, and Ray, I'll pause there for a moment Ray talked about that at length last Sunday about agape love is that type of love that comes from God it's a gift of the Holy Spirit as Stephen was talking about this morning in that passage in uh, I believe it was Ephesians or Galatians that he referenced one of the first gifts of the Spirit is love and so this is not love as as we possess as human beings this is spiritual love this is love that comes from God It's a unique, sacrificial uh, type of love. And so John's trying to get us to think that if we possess that type of love within us, God is visible through us. So we see that John tells us also that loving others is a requirement for God's presence in us. God's presence remaining in us leads to growth, and it's described as perfection in this passage in that agape love, that sacrificial love. So let's move to verse 13 and look at God's assurance to us. We'll reread verse 13, 1 John 4.13. By this we know that we remain in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And this is the assurance of God through the, uh, through the Spirit. So, But as in verse 12, this is another un, unseen aspect of God, but it affirms our union with Him. It can't be seen, but the spiritual effects and changes in us prove that it's real. If you think about that, think about yourself before you were saved, the actions that you took um, versus the actions that you've taken since being saved and having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Since this is our assurance of our union with God, herein lies the hidden danger of the heresy of charismatic beliefs. Um, so, one of the one of the aspects of charismatic belief the belief system is they falsely claim that if the Spirit indwells you, you're going to demonstrate uh, action by you're going to demonstrate that by particular actions, which they then define. And sometimes those are uh, what they refer to as gifts of tongues where people speak an unintelligible, unintelligible language and other things. And then um, if you're not able to demonstrate that as young Christians, that can create uh, confusion and doubt. Um, and that's, uh, that's not God's intent. He wants us to be assured, assured of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, not to... Not to have us have doubt. Uh, I once had a uh, charismatic uh, friend describe a particular emotional experience to me. And as he's describing the experience that he went through, he said, Oh, he goes, but you don't believe in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I said, no, I said, I do believe in the Holy Spirit. I just don't believe in the Holy Spirit the way you do. The way uh, the way that you see and demonstrated it. it didn't make any difference to this person, but that's how that's how they uh, ju- they justified their actions. Is that if other people didn't experience that, that was because they didn't believe in the Holy Spirit or they didn't have have the Holy Spirit. So that's uh, that's extraordinarily dangerous to propagate that type of uh, that type of thinking because it can lead us to doubt our salvation, where we think that well, I, don't, I didn't have that experience, so I must, not be, I must not be with God. The Holy Spirit must not be indwelling me. But we see that, what is John talking about over and over again in this passage? The proof is in love, not in a particular action or a formula, which is what, what we do so many times with different, different aspects of religion is we create a formula for this is what it must look like. It's not about that. It's about this simple concept of love and agape love. So, let's not allow anyone to compromise, or to try to compromise, this gift from God. And if we stop to think about it, it's extraordinary that God would give part of Himself to us, isn't it? I'm humbled by that when I think about it. The Holy Spirit residing with God the Father and the Son in Heaven and yet, he's willing to come and live in me, a mud hut. I mean, what a, step, what a step down, but God is willing to do that because he loves us so much, each of us. So we're going to move forward into verses 14 and 15, and this is where we'll conclude this morning. So we'll reread these two verses. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him, and he in God. So we see in these verses, <clears throat> John's returning to the foundational truths of Scripture, and he's providing a direct, simple statement of the good news. Once again, we see that the union within the Godhead as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is, um, is perfect, and it's working together for good for our benefit, for my benefit. So we see this instruction within the Trinity in this passage in 1 John, but it's subtle, and sometimes we fail to take notice of this in Scripture. I mean, we see that, I mean, in verse 14, the Father sent the Son... It said, uh, to be the Savior of the world, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him. That's a reference to the Holy Spirit. He's not calling out specifically the Holy Spirit, but we see in context that's what's referred to because the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. So the reason I I bring this up, that we sometimes fail to take note of this, uh, is while in church, several years ago, I had a person challenge me about the Godhead and Trinity. And they said, you know, the word Trinity never appears in the Bible. And uh, so, I don't believe in it. Well, that, the first part is true. The tr- word Trinity does not appear in the Bible. It's a word we use. But you see the examples of the Trinity over and over again in Scripture. So their second part of that, they took its typical false teaching, they took a truth Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible, so I don't believe in the triune God. False. <laughs> truth, truth and false, but that's the way the enemy works. He takes a bit of truth and blends it and uh, creates, creates false teaching from it. So this person I had this discussion with, I assured him that uh, the Bible's loaded with references to the triune Godhead. It might not say the word Trinity, but you see it over and over again that reference to the three aspects of God, providing you're willing to look for it. Um, and, that's, and that's what it requires. So as we close, um, this particular uh, person I had this discussion with, I provided an example of the Trinity in Scripture, but they weren't convinced. And that's many times you'll find that when someone uh, approaches you with false teaching, they don't want to hear Anything that contradicts what they're, uh, uh, what they 're bringing forward, they want to create doubt they want to sow doubt within you, and so they 're they 're acting as an agent for the people we are warned against in verse one, the lying spirits, and it might not it might not you might not realize it at the time, so again, we need to be Bereans. we need to know our Bible, we need to be grounded in it, so it was actually a sad a sad point I thought as I parted ways with this person is I thought this is another success story for those who provide uh, heresy as an aspect aspect in teaching and they're the false prophets again that John refers to in verse 1 of, uh, of chapter 4 But looking back into our passage um, as we stop for today, let's consider Am I testing the spirits so I do not get caught up in false teaching?" And that's, it doesn't matter how popular it is or who it is that's, uh, that's bringing forth that teaching. Also, and this is more in keeping with our passage we looked at, do I demonstrate God's type of love, that agape love? Uh, if not, I need to examine myself because there's something wrong if I'm not demonstrating That's not because I said it. That's because that's what John says in this passage. So I find myself, once again, John's teaching uh, to be very simple, and yet it's complex at the same time, and very humbling. Lord, as we close this time in Your in your Word, we thank You for uh, these passages that You recorded through John, Lord, teaching us these aspects of, of walking with You, this assurance You've given us, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the, the marvelous aspects of the Godhead working working together, and amazingly enough, working together for our benefit, Lord. And we just thank You for that. We thank You for Your gifts. We thank You for uh, Your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, for Him taking on the form of God, from God and bringing it to earth and becoming fully man also something we can't understand how can you be both fully god and fully man yet you did it jesus and uh, you did it so you could take our sins and you could take them to the cross and you could pay for them and we thank you for that and we thank you lord that it didn't end there it didn't end in death but it ended with your victory breaking forward from the from the tomb lord Uh, ascending to heaven, being seated by our Father, your Father, at his right hand in a place of honor. And from there, Lord, sending forth the Holy Spirit to indwell in us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, interceding with the Father for us, Jesus, preparing a place for us, strengthening, providing for us, all the things that we we can't understand and uh, sometimes, Lord, we don't appreciate. And we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.